Welcome back to Mount Visit. Number 10 Zags are fresh off a WCC season title after taking two out of three from the Toreros in San Diego last weekend. Came home for enough time to do their laundry and are officially down in Stockton, California as the number one seed in the WCC tournament on their quest to not only achieve another regional berth, but to host that regional in Spokane, Washington. With coaches focused on preparing for WCC tourney play, we're going to switch gears a bit with guests today. I want to welcome Jared Hertz to the show. Jared is a former academic All-American for Gonzaga, but still remains in the athletic department as a senior associate AD. Welcome, Jay. Michael, good to be with you. How the heck you doing, man? You know, uh, it's, we're staring down the barrel of postseason baseball, so it's a good time to be a Zag. Been uh, scoreboard watching a little bit. Watched that uh, Oregon Arizona game this morning and trying to figure out what that means for hosting next week. It only has to help us. I've got to believe. I mean, we could talk about this, but uh, we, we, I've got to believe if Oregon falls flat at the Pac 12 tourney and we roll through Stockton, uh, I don't know what else we can do. As yeah, a resume, like it's, it seemed like they, they flipped us last week when we uh, we dropped a game to them and went two and two and they swept the Wildcats. So it'd be nice to see them go two and barbecue and the Zags go three and oh, and uh, let's flip it right back and, and they can get on the bus to Spokane. Uh, I would stink and love it. So tell me, that, I mean, former player, we played together. Uh, uh, you had <laughs> tremendous more and more success than me. Uh, but when you look at, we won a share of the WCC title you know, back in, in the early 2000s. And so to come from a former player, right, and, and now to be an admin as high as you are in the athletic department, uh, what kind of view do you have on the program? What does it mean to see the success you're seeing right now? Yeah, tremendous amount of pride as an alum to just uh, see where they are now, 20 years later. But to, to also have been in the trenches for 17 of those and, and to see the blood, sweat, and tears that it has taken and the all-hands-on-deck approach to overcome some of the challenges that we have up here, weather and, and being in, in Spokane, and, and to build to have those building blocks and those mile markers. And one of those was that 2001 division championship. And from there, you started getting kids that weren't from the state of Washington. You built into a, a 2009 uh, conference championship and regional birth. And, and now you're looking at the last 10 years with six or seven rings over the 10 years. So the steady growth and, and being to, able to see behind the curtain of what that has taken and what mm -hmm. Coach Maktoff, what Coach Danny Evans, what these guys have had to do to get there. Uh, you don't take it for granted as much as you would if you just blinked and 20 years gone by and, oh, look, look where they've gone. And I wouldn't even make this team now 20 years later. That's cool, you know. Yeah, I mean, so but think about this, right? Uh, what does it mean? I mean, we talked about this with Hertzie. We've talked about it with Harmon. We talked about it with Winnie. Uh, to watch the Zags win another title, but especially this year. With everything that has gone on, I have chills to sit here talking about it, but to watch the team respond the way they have, as young as they are, to watch them respond in the face of adversity with, uh, uh, with Danny um, and him losing his life uh, to cancer, just to watch, I mean, the pride, I mean, your heart just has to burst. 
Yeah, it was a tremendous amount of adversity. And, and that's what this program has been hanging their hat on for a long time is, is mental toughness and resiliency. And here it is front and center. Um, and not just the players, these coaches, it, it, extremely emotional time for them. And, and the timing was such that, you know, they were playing at Oregon State when Danny uh, had had an episode that led to, to hospital and, and a decision that he was entering hospice. They're playing at St. Mary's in a must win series when he um, ultimately passes. And they've been able to 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 mourn and to honor him um, while also honoring him in, in how they've played and how they've approached it. So uh, on one hand, it's, it's, it's really inspiring. And on the other, it's not surprising because that's, that's what coach Mack and coach Danny have been building into this program over the last 17 years. Yeah, I mean, it just proves, especially from a recruiting standpoint, the, the value system of the program is not just words, right? They live it out the way they, the way they play, the way they compete, and they do it on a consistent year in and year out. Yeah, the, the resiliency, um, as, you, as you know in baseball, um, you know, we always joke about you fail seven out of ten times and you're a Hall of Famer. So um, mm -hmm. resiliency is something that, that is important to – to succeed in baseball. And obviously it's, it's more important than ever to succeed in life. And that's one of the things that we're super proud of about this program is that uh, that's something that's being emphasized and instilled in these young men. And, and when we spit them out after three, four five years of being a Zag, they, they're pretty well prepared to handle that facet of, of adulthood. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's, let's, let's think about this. Zags are 25th on RPI, right? They're 25th, they're 10th in the country. They're four and five versus the top 25. That four and five includes a sweep at Stillwater. What, what leaves doubt in an NCAA selection committee uh, where they don't want to give us a host site next week? Well, East Coast bias is, uh, is, <laughs> is a real thing. <laughs> And, and just like in basketball, you're starting at a disadvantage when you're talking about earning respect. And I don't just mean Gonzaga, I mean the entire conference. So as hard as we know it is to go to San Francisco and win a series against the Dons, and as hard as we know it is to have gone down to San Diego and take two out of three, the, the, uh, the East Coast, the SEC, the voters over there, they just kind of yawn and they go, oh, sure, they beat UC San Diego. No, no, that's a, that's a top, that's a top 40 uh, Toreros squad that's, you know, in the at-large conversation. So uh, you, you hang your hat on the Oklahoma State series, which unfortunately isn't what it used to be because they've, they've uh, taken some lumps in uh, what is obviously a, a very good Big 12 conference. And, and some of our other marquee wins haven't held up as you would hope. The Cal State Fullerton of our youth isn't what it used to be. And so sweeping at Cal State Fullerton now just looks like a, a win over a, a 100 RPI team that's not in the in the postseason conversation. So I think what they do have is is one of the best non-conference uh, schedules in the country. They mm -hmm. talk about how they reward schools that go on the road and play tough games. 
and we're the poster child for that. So you hope that that will be taken into consideration and ultimately be what, what ends up awarding them for a regional. Do you think we need to win the WCC tournament to get that regional? I do. I think we need to go three and zero this week. Yeah. Yeah. Just to not give them any reason to, to take it away from us. But again, that, that loss could, uh, it could depend on who you lose to, you know, if you, if you lose to, to LMU in the opening game, that's, that's different than dropping one to San Diego on a Sunday when you, you know, you only have to win one of two and you're, you're, you're managing your pitching staff accordingly, right? If you're in the driver's seat on that, I guess in this tournament, it would be Saturday. If you're in the driver's seat on Saturday and San Diego's coming up from the loser bracket and has to beat you twice, you're not necessarily going all in in that first game. You're managing your staff and whatnot. So I think those things can come into play, but it'd be a lot easier if, if you win three games and you have a regular season and a conference trophy to point to. Now you got Tommy Lloyd's Wildcats who, who knocked off the Ducks this morning, right? And, and if that happens and we win the WCC tournament, we go 3-0. and uh, You think that still doesn't guarantee us a slot with that loss up front for Oregon? Well, Oregon still has work to do there. That's a double elimination tournament over in the Pac-12. So they'll have a game tomorrow morning and um, they could rack up a few more uh you know, top RPI wins by the time that's all said and done. So there's that. And then you have other, other squads that are knocking on the door as well. The Maryland's and the Texas techs that have been in and out of the, of the top 16 seed conversation. And so now you're scoreboard watching and wondering how Texas tech does over in the big 12 tournament. So, right. you know, it's, it, people don't realize how similar it is to basketball. We've, we've gotten used to a Zagnation of, of doing a lot of, um, of Joe Lenardi, you know, peeking and, and hand-wringing in February and watching other games and scoreboards. And it's very similar in baseball. You've got 64 teams. You've got at-larges coming out of the conference tournament or uh, automatics coming out of the conference tournament and at-larges and you're playing for seeding. And so very similar to what folks are used to. And, you know, it's exciting for people in Spokane to be starting to ask those questions and pay attention and understand that, you now have two perennial March Madness teams. Uh, oh, and that's the thing that's so fantastic. And you start looking at the beautiful city of Stockton, California, right? What do you think the, the Zags' biggest obstacle is down there? I mean, when you look at it, I mean, we can always say the Toreros, but I always like to look for the sneaky one, you know, whether that's a Portland pilot, you know, or where, where do you think our biggest obstacle potentially lies down there? Yeah, I think it could be any of those other five teams because all five of them have not just a quality Friday guy, but a very good Saturday guy. Our mm -hmm. toughest games throughout conference were those Saturday games um, where, you know, we'd throw Tristan Reeling and he'd give a quality start, but we'd have trouble scratching runs against their Saturday guy. So with the way that the tournament set up, we're in a, a position to, um, you know, you assume get the Saturday guy of our first opponent because they will have already burned a game in the play-in today. And the road doesn't get any easier because there's a lot of good Saturday guys that we're going to face. And so we're going to have to find a way to, to break through there and break into the bullpen 
and start to wear some of these teams down. They don't have the depth of pitching that we do. And, and a lot of them will have played one more game than we have. So quality at bats to hang pitch count on their starter and get into their bullpen will, will not just bear fruit in that game, but in that third, fourth, and, you know, if necessary, fifth, six games. Well, let's talk pitching because I'm a pitcher, right? So let, let's be honest, right? Pitching is key for regionals. You got to have it's that. the second, gotta... second most important thing to win a regional, yeah. Oh, I like that. Good confidence. I'll take it. But you look at it. So you take pitching from a standpoint of being key in regionals. Last year, we were dealt a tough hand, right? Gabriel broke his finger. Um, you know, you, and Nico took the line drive at Eugene off his leg. We were short, right? But how do you personally, we're healthy now. I mean, so how do you personally view Harmon's staff this year versus years past? Yeah, it's it's not just deeper than years past, it's tremendously deeper than years past. And you look back at last year's regional in Eugene, and you've got Alec Gomez who started a game in a, in a regional. You've got Tristan Breeling who came in and threw phenomenally in relief in a game in a regional. You've got Michael Spellacy, who's my age, who's thrown in big situations. So you've got, you've got guys with experience in the postseason as well mm -hmm. as just the tremendous depth. And a kid like Owen Wild that's emerged to be, you know, just a flat out quality starter. Um, and it'll be interesting because that's, this is when you start playing games a little bit with your, with your rotation. Uh, I can't remember the last time I saw a one seed in a regional throw their Friday guy in the first game against the four seed. Mm -hmm. Now, we've never been a one seed. So I don't know where Coach Mack is on that. If you're playing the University of Pennsylvania in the first round, do you throw Owen Wilde? Do you throw Kempner? Do you throw Vreeling? And you, hold, you save Hughes for that inevitable, you know, biggest challenge that we've always faced, that Saturday night game against the, you know, the other top seed. And that's the hump that we have yet to get over in the regional format. So you start looking at that and, and this is why coach Harmon gets paid the big bucks, because that'll just be one of many decisions that he'll have to make when you're taking into consideration, the regional format where you have to win three, four, and maybe even five games. And how do you do that with all the bullets in your gun? Yeah. No. And I know we talk about Gabriel Hughes and we talk about Tristan Breeling and we talk about Will Kempner and we talk about Owen Wilde and, Nico and Alex, but uh, ultimately this is the youngest roster in the WCC, right? And, and, I, and I always say that, but then I have to go back and, and check myself because we have this Michael Spellacy, right? This, this veteran of veterans, like you said, that is older than every other kid on the entire field. And what kind of uh, impact does a personality and an experienced veteran like that make to a pitching staff like this? Well, I think it depends on the, the person and not the years for sure, right? Michael's, Michael's a, an all-academic district kid and a Zag. Um, so it's one thing to be a, a fifth year and been around for a long time, but he's been doing it right for five years. And it hasn't always come easy for him for five years. And so um, he, is, he is a guy that you can, that, you know, will lead for you and that, that these young men will want to follow. And it's interesting to, to remember with because of COVID, 
everything is wonky. And so when we look at the youth of the staff, a lot of them are sophomores, but they're three-year guys. You know, and that and the unfortunate part about that is they're all draft eligible. So you start, you, right. know, uh, you start saying goodbye to a, a lot of these guys that are, that are having so much success. So, um, you know, they're, they're guys that have been in the, in the program for two or three years that are on the staff, even though they're, they're technically only sophomores. And that's, that's where they do have leadership, uh, out in the field, uh, out at the, in the, at the plate is where you have these guys that, you know, that are legitimate freshmen and that this is their first time on the big stage and you don't know how they're going to respond when it starts to get into crunch time. Yeah. And I know we talk about this, how everything, it was the perfect recipe to get this, uh, these arms all on one roster in one year and they're all healthy, but the risk you run, like you brought up is they're draft eligible Right. So you could see what is the best pitching staff, arguably in the Western United States, um, get decimated through the draft, which is a, which is a, a, an honor for the program. But it also leads to the value of recruiting. You know, we haven't seen a ton of innings from Cade McGee on the bump. Right. You start to say, what does that look like? And so then you got to turn the page to recruiting. And how do you think Harmon and and Winnie are doing uh, taking on the brunt? Uh, of the recruiting duties and, uh, you know, the outlook when it comes to that for Gonzaga baseball. Well, that, that's a, a huge hole that coach Evans leaves. Um, his work ethic was second to none when it came to recruiting and the homework that he did on these kids not to mention just the fact that he was able to connect with so many young men and their families and, and instill that, um, trust that, that their, that their son would be well taken care of, but man, he was such a hard worker on the road, um, on his computer, on the airplane. So that's, that, that's a loss of man hours. Um, I know Coach Harmon tried to pick up a lot of the slack here over the last year, but um, you only have so many bodies that you can put out on the road. So does that show itself in the next couple years in the rotation of a recruiting class? I don't think so. I think you just have a little less room for error because you're seeing maybe a few less uh, tournaments and showcases and a few less guys, but um I've never seen a staff that is so on the same page as far as what they're looking for, who they want, what fits the mold. And, and it really, it really lessens the, um, the chance that, that you're going to have a miss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've got, but Hertzie always says that we built coach Steve Hertzfield to host a regional Right. It was built for that purpose. We know that regional births undoubtedly help with recruiting, but also help with recruiting our facilities. And our stadium is uh, arguably one of the best, if not the best in the WCC. But the university is not stopping there. The university knows that the momentum that the program has put forth in the last decade and beyond, um, that we only have brighter days ahead. So I know that. Uh, uh, the facility's got some exciting new days ahead of it. I'd love to see if you bring some color to it. 
Yeah, the 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 old ballpark is is 15 years old. How'd that happen? Insane. Uh, I still remember the day it, when we were sitting down with Father Spitzer and Coach Hertz and uh, Mike Patterson, and they were announcing the breaking ground, and the wind took the entire white tent off the ground and sent it flying in the parking lot next to the postal annex. Yeah, that was one last gust of uh, of what used to be the old wind tunnel that took quite a few fly balls to left out out into exactly. CM's CM's lawn back in the day. At Are the you old, saying that the there was wind field. that aided your home runs? Are you saying that on the air? Well, you should know I never took the ball to left, so <laughs> it's irrelevant for me. But as a pitcher, you didn't want to get that ball up into the jet stream for sure. But you know, it's it's interesting how how many people don't know where we came from and don't know um, August ART Pekarovich Field here where where McCarthy now sits and and so even though it's 15 years old to your point it's still a beautiful ballpark and a beautiful setting uh, we're proud of the fact that we don't have metal bleachers that we don't have porta potties we we built a nice stadium with chair backs and and infrastructure but. We, we have been working towards not just bringing um, the, the stadium up a, a notch or two, but also to answer that uh, ongoing issue of weather, of baseball in the Northwest, of the season starting in mid-February with a three-game series at Arizona State. And, oh, first time you've seen a fly ball since October. Good luck. So... Mm-hmm. We obviously can't build a dome. We obviously can't move our campus south. So what we've been working on, and this is a journey that started back in 2017, is an indoor facility to train in. And not just a batting cage, but something that uh, that you can do live at bats in, something that you can take ground balls and pitchers can work on PFPs. We have the space out along the right field line to build something on that would sit, you know, essentially you lose that beautiful berm that, that we all enjoy watching games from, but it would sit on the field. You could roll up garage doors and even in nice weather, you can use that facility and go back and forth. So there's a, there's a lot of, of purpose to it just functionally from being able to train in the winter months, having another surface to train on, even when the weather is nice. And again, be able to do, almost everything can't take fly balls in there can't um you know maybe have a full infield but be able to take ground balls do pfps do live at bats work on bunt defense all the things that we're not able to do when there's snow on the field or tommy brown has fertilized the the surface this weekend you know um COVID came into play there. We've had, uh, it's, it's been a challenge fundraising wise. Obviously the cost of building is, is such that that uh, goal line keeps moving on us, but we've had some really wonderful momentum uh, lately in fundraising to where uh, we're starting to talk brass tacks now. We're starting to talk uh, finalized scale and scope and maybe even look at starting to push some dirt around here in the next 12 months. Oh, man, that's absolutely fantastic because it would also potentially bring offices down, right? So the baseball offices would be down. I remember Danny sitting in my backyard 
probably 15, 16 months ago, telling me about simulator technology that would blow our minds when it comes to seeing pitchers from other teams and giving hitters the opportunity to remind themselves what it's like to face a, uh, another guy from a Texas Tech or a University of Texas. So um, that's fantastic. But it, also when it comes to baseball players, when it comes to athletes, right, they love their domain. They love their locker room. They love to, they're turning into homes almost. But I mean, uh, you're, you're looking at potentially even making what I think is a pretty posh locker room. Uh, even sweeter for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. I don't know if you can bring any color to that either, but I think the viewers would love to hear a little bit about that too. Yes, and it's been a fun process because obviously the coaches have been have been driving the bus on it, and 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 what's been a priority over the five years has has you know changed in some ways, and some things have risen to the top of of what needs to be done. So. Everybody, I think, can understand the functionality of having a space that you can train in when there's inclement weather. But the other things that, that the coaches bring expertise to that are of significant value are, are things like you just talked about, the clubhouse, the locker room, um, displaying our history and our, and our trophies. You know, right now we don't have a space to do that. You know, the most recent uh, championship picture in the locker room is of you and I back in 2001. We just mm -hmm. don't have an area to, to, to display that. So when you talk about recruiting and bringing kids in and showing, you know, four conference championships in the last six years, that's important. Mm -hmm. So part of this project would also be an expansion and renovation of the locker room. It's going to be uh, quite a bit bigger and more in, in line with, with top level college programs and even on a major league standpoint um 40 lockers and enough room to to have that be the, the the new home of the zags and that would all connect to the new building so it would be a really nice flow from what we have now with our our lounge and and locker area to into this new vestibule that'll then spread right into this indoor facility and the indoor facility will again have cages for when you want cages but you click a button and the nets go up and you've got enough room to to throw the ball around a little bit oh i love that you were saying that obviously but for, former players like ourselves uh parents of players they they can have an opportunity to be a part of it especially at the club yeah there is a neat opportunity for alums that uh that that we've instituted that's in the locker room and, and is certainly part of the all hands on deck approach to to raising the funds for this project. This project will be an eight figure project and an important piece of anything that we do here at Gonzaga is having the proper folks with skin in the game. That's an important even if the dollar amount isn't you know largely moving the needle it sends a message to the rest of campus, to the administration, when we have alums or we have parents that have skin in the game of this project, politically that can really move things along. But uh, as an alum, and, uh, and uh, if you don't mind me saying, you've, you've uh, participated in it as well to, to help this project, but also uh, 
be able to acknowledge what this program meant to you and meant to me and uh, memorializing that. So we have an alumni locker initiative that will allow alums and alums only to have their name and uniform number and class year acknowledged within a locker. And that is hopefully an inspiration to the, to the guys that come after us to see what people before them did and that people before them cared about them enough to invest in the program. It also hopefully inspires them to be that guy when they're an alum and to give back in, in a way that they're able to. So uh, we've been working on that project as, again, a means to raise money for this, this project, but also have something special for our alums and, and families of alums to be a part of. Uh, 40 lockers, we've got 30 of them uh, filled with generous donors. And we've had guys that have done a locker by themselves. We've had guys that have shared with teammates. What we're asking is for a $20,000 gift commitment per locker. And so we've had younger alums that have grabbed three buddies and they've all done a $5,000 gift commitment to be in the locker with their, with their buddies. And we've had guys that have stepped up to do the full 20. So when that's said and done, um, you know, and, and we've, we've done all 40 lockers, that's going to be a, a nice, you know, dent, an $800,000 dent in what's essentially going to be a, um, a project upwards of $10 million. I love it. It's a complete zag effort to know the clubhouse that they're in today. And to know that that's going to be expanded right from where we came from with a garage sale couch and a TV that probably <laughs> weighed 900 pounds and one VHS movie in there and a couple of college world series highlight tapes, but it's pretty special to see where coach Maktoff has been able to take this program with his staff. And, um, you know, but before we break dirt, we got to bring back a WCC tournament title. So Zags are, uh, Zags are up tomorrow at 3 p.m. And uh, Jay, I, I can't thank you enough for being on. And uh, let's get these Zags 3-0. Let's get them home. Let's host a regional. Uh, let's do something we've never done. And, and uh, uh, let, let's go ahead and shock the nation. So appreciate you being on, Jay. Yeah, I appreciate you, Michael. This is uh, exciting for the Gonzaga baseball family to to get to have you talk and shop and, and learning more about what these guys are doing because what they're doing is special and, and it's starting to get noticed more by the media, but um, it's resonating with people and it's, it's inspiring folks that uh, maybe have been attracted by the shiny object of basketball that are starting to get excited. And they're all in at John Stockton text me this morning and tell me when I can get tickets for the regional. So we, we expect everybody to be, to be out at the ballpark on Friday, June 3rd for something historic. No, it's going to be unbelievable. Well, here we go. So Zags tomorrow, open up WCC play in Stockton, 3 p.m. Until then, go Zags. <laughs>